0: Good morning, wonderful people. It's an, always a privilege uh, for me to come into your homes through your screens, on your phones, uh, to bring you the word this morning. You know, I looked at a headline a couple of days ago that said, 100 days into lockdown. I don't know about you, but I at that moment, I didn't even have the capacity to process what that meant. And that was just a few days ago and recently i've I've just been mulling over it today, yesterday, just thinking through the impact on on my soul um, of lockdown and isolation for one hundred days. It's almost a third of the year that we find ourselves in in in, in this irregular space and and we started this lockdown looking at it very much as a distraction, didn't we? Something that uh, we just needed to do and get over, and then we could move on with our lives. Uh, But it's turned out to be very much a disruption and not a distraction. You know, a distraction is something that takes you away from your task momentarily, and you can get back to it. Disruption is something that changes the way that you do things, and this this has a very real impact on our souls. And I don't want to minimize that for myself, and I don't want you to minimize that for your own emotional well-being. The fact that we have been knocked out of our rhythm for this much time, over 100 days, is significant. I don't want you to feel shame. I, I had to, to recognize that it is not a shameful thing for me to realize that, man, I need an emotional check. I, I need to talk to somebody about how I'm doing. I encourage you to do the same. Statements like that, or headlines like like, like that, hundred days into the lockdown, you know, those can have a rea- very real impact on our hope, especially when we went into this lockdown uh, with, with with that mindset that this is more of a sprint than a marathon. We just need to do this and get it over with. And if we see the days piling on, that can have a real impact on what we start to to believe about the world, about God, about ourselves, our place in this world. And I I think this is a prime opportunity for the enemy to come into your mind, to come into your heart, and to steal your hope. And so this is a very real, timeous thing for us to be doing this series the anatomy of hope, because we wanted to come against what we recognize as a a tactic of the enemy to use circumstances around us to steal our hope. You see, in as much as the enemy can try and use these circumstances to deteriorate our hope, saints, God can use these circumstances to allow our hope to rise up and to shine and to glorify him for us to recognize and to make conscious decisions on what we choose to hang our faith on, how we choose to fuel our faith. You know, the Bible tells us that faith is the the substance uh, of of things hoped for. It it is the fuel of our hope. And so this is a time for us to make some very real and very conscious decisions. What are we going to hang our hope on? Are we going to allow the enemy to come in and to usurp and to pervert and to deteriorate our hope? Because saints, I want to tell you, if he can do that, if the enemy can take away your hope, he's won the battle. He's won. Because because as long as we have our hope, as long as we're hanging our hope on the truths of the scriptures and on the very real nature and goodness of God, he doesn't stand a chance doesn't matter what's happening to my left or to my right. If my sights are on God, my belief doesn't waver, the enemy does not have a chance. And if you feel like your hope has started to waver a little bit, that your faith is low in fuel, I want to encourage you to reach out to people around you. Talk about it. Join a connect group. If you're in a connect group, raise this stuff. Engage with one another. Pray for one another. Receive encouragement from the Scriptures. Prioritize that your hope is in a good space, because that is the battleground right now. With that being said, I want to take us to uh, some scripture, because that is a good place for us uh, to go if we're going to talk about this issue of hope. I- I'm currently in in the chapter of, or uh, in the book of Colossians, uh, Colossians chapter chapter one, and uh, we're going to read. Uh, from verse 24. Verse 24 says, I now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations. We're going to have a particular focus on that on that phrasing. The, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What are the glory of the riches of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Amen. There's a particular theme and an agenda that, that Paul is going for in the writings or, or, or in this letter as he's writing to the saints in Colossus. And he is saying that there are mysteries. Things that are difficult to understand. Things that people have looked into, or at least have tried to look look into, for generations and ages. Things that prophets and kings and scribes and, and the intelligentsia of the day have tried to come to understand, but have been unable to understand. You know, saints, if you look at the Old Testament, We have prophets who prophesied the will of God, they prophesied the judgment of God, they prophesied the the moral standing of God, they prophesied many things as God gave them utterance, including the salvation of mankind. But they they only they, they saw in part and they prophesied in part. So they didn't have a full understanding of what it is that God was revealing to them. And and even those who would take their prophecies and their books and put them together and try to gain an understanding of what it is that God was trying to paint a picture of still didn't arrive at a perfect picture. Still had pieces missing and still longed to know what it is that God was doing, and what 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 the mystery is, that he was slowly unpacking, and and from generation to generation, he was unpacking these mysteries. I want to take you very quickly, to to one Corinthians, one Corinthians in chapter two. We speak in Paul, Paul again. He's saying, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature he's just gotten through speaking about how to those who are not Im- who, are, who are not mature we don't speak the mysteries and the and, and the wisdom of God but but to those who are mature he says we speak wisdom among those who are mature yet not the wisdom of this age no not pop culture not not current day mysticism not what is what is what is popular today not what is relevant and woke not what what will get you accepted and what will get many likes and follows on social media we speak not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are, by the way, read it, who are coming to nothing. Coming to nothing. Wisdom of this age, the rulers of this age, everything that we think is popular and we follow and trends, coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages For our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. Listen to this. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, if they had known the mystery, if they had known what it is that God was planning, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus because they would have recognized him. They would have recognized what God was doing, but they didn't know. So they crucified him. It goes on. We'll take it from verse 8. Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I love that scripture. And, and oftentimes, when I've come across that, that scripture, when I've heard it being taught or shared, it's always been within the context of eternity in heaven. Oh man, you have no idea about all the wonderful things that God has prepared for you. It has not even entered into your imagination what eternity and heaven is going to be like. I want you to know that eternity and heaven is going to be awesome the central and primary reason why it's going to be awesome is because we're going to be with Jesus, reunited with our bridegroom, unfettered access to his presence. Everything else is an add-on. But this particular scripture here, by the way, saints, isn't necessarily referring to the to the uh, uh, future or to to, to eternity or to heaven. It's referring to the mysteries that God had hidden in his word that people had tried to go and search out and were unable to search out because they couldn't imagine what what God's plan was. See, they, they had it in mind that there was a plan. There was a plan for salvation into the Hebrew mindset. The plan for salvation was the plan for, for national salvation, national liberation. There would be a commander and a general that God would bring and he would overthrow the oppressors and allow the nation of Israel to rise up as an independent state in its own glory. But verse 10 says, But God has revealed them to us. Through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things. Of God. So you see, this is not a mystery anymore. It used to be a mystery, but God, through His Spirit, which now dwells in us, has revealed it to us. Remember that the, the saints of old, specifically in the Old Testament, they, they didn't have the indwelling power of God. They didn't have the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us as we do today. They they had they had a, a limited revelation. And 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 a limited expression of the presence of God, and so for them you went, you could go somewhere, particularly the temple, and experience God, and, and you did stuff. So you sacrifice and you enter into His presence and you etc. And and that was their expression and experience of God, and and so if they wanted a manifest presence of the presence of God, they had to go into the temple, they had to perform certain ritual sacrifices, they had to be in a certain state of pure, purity, etc. And, and, and that's how they experienced. Today, God has imbued us with His power through the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us. And, and this is what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. In verse 11, I'm still in, 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 uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So if the Spirit of God knows the things of God, knows the mind of God, and we have the Spirit of God in us, then we have revelation available to us. The mind of God can be made known to us. And God did not hide to us what his plan was, what the mystery was that the ages had been searching for in in the book of Colossians. We read it, That, that it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This was the whole plan. This was what everything was culminating to. What every age was searching for was how is God going to bring about the salvation of our nation, the salvation of all mankind? How is He going to redeem? How is He going to make sure and, and, and reconcile and everything that has been destroyed and perverted and, and torn asunder, how is He going to bring reconciliation and redemption and salvation? And, and how is He going to make Make us pure enough that we can enter into his unadulterated presence. Saints, the revelation is right here in the Bible. It is Christ in us. The hope of glory. The saints of old had no imagining. They, they, they could not have imagine, imagined in their wildest imaginations. The God, God's plan was to inhabit us. To them, God's plan was to inhabit a building that was close to us, that we could go and interact with him. But God would come to reveal that, no, that is not sufficient. That was not even the original plan. This was a holding place. But the plan was that God would indwell us and that we would be the temple and that that would be the hope of glory without christ indwelling us we have no hope and there is no glory don't let anybody lie to you don't let any contemporary philosophy woke theology or anything else tell you otherwise the only hope we have in this world saints i want to tell you is christ jesus dwelling inside of us he is the hope of glory because you see, when we come before the Father, we're not judged based on who we are, what we've done, or, 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 or our credentials. We're judged based on whose we are. Whose we are. The what we've done follows, but, but, but it starts with whose we are. And when we have Christ in us, then we are Christ. And if we are Christ's, then all that is His is ours if you don't believe me go and read john chapter 17 jesus prays the priestly prayer and he and he talks about oneness the oneness that he has with the father and he prays that we as the body would have this kind of oneness and he prays that 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 even as as he is one with the father so we would be one with one another and so we, we would be one with him and so we would be one with god and it's this amazing intertwined oneness and he also says this, that, that whatever is his would be ours. That is our hope of glory. I want to take it a little bit further and talk about this word hope. You know, I was, um, I was reading in the book of Joshua, uh, and um, you can just bookmark it for, for, for reading later, but you can have a look at Joshua chapter 2. And it's the story of the spies who were sent into Jericho to to spy out the land. And so this is just before the crossing, that the Israelite uh, uh, nation is about to cross the Jordan into the promised land. And so Joshua and the generals, they send spies into the land, and they say, go and spy out the land, especially the city of Jericho, and bring back a report so that we can prepare our military uh, strategy. And these spies go in, and 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 word comes to the king of Jericho that hey, there are spies in your land, from from the people of Israel, and they've come to spy out the land, and so they they try and find out where they are, and they find out that these spies are at the house of of uh, of Rahab, and Rahab, the 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 Bible tells us was a a harlot, a prostitute. And, uh, and so these spies had, had arrived at her house, and, and when, when the, the messengers from the king came to her and said to her, release these guys into our presence, or release these guys into our possession, sorry, uh, because the king uh, is after them, in a moment of discernment, she realized what was happening. And she recognized that these spies had been sent by God and that God had ordained that the land that the people of Jericho now possessed would become to be possessed by the people of Israel. And she recognized that I had better be on the right side of this. The, the, and, and, and history has judged her well. History, she's on the right side of this decision. Because she, she, she hides these guys and she sends a message to the king to say, look, th- th- these guys, they were here. I didn't know where they were from and I've sent them away and they've left. But if you send your guys out, maybe you can still catch them. And so they send a search party out and she hides them and she tells them to go hide in the mountains and wait there three days. Wait there three days. And once the search party has come back, then they can go their way. And they make a deal. She makes a, a deal with them. That because I because I've saved your lives and I recognize, she says this, it's in the Bible. Go read it. Joshua chapter two. She says, because I I recognize that this that you are the people of God and 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 from the first time that we heard about you, by the way, we heard about the exploits, how God dried up the la- the seas so that you can walk over, how you destroyed some other nations before you got here. Our hearts were already faint. We already knew about you. Your reputation alone had already defeated us. Your, your God is, is the God of heaven and, and he has dominion on earth. And I want to be on the right side of him. So I'm going to side with you. And she says, when you come into this land and you take possession and you destroy the people of the city, spare me and spare my family. And they say to her, this sounds good. Yes, in fact, they say this, your life for ours. You've given, you've given us life, we'll, we, we, we uh, give you life in return. But here's what we want you to do. We want you to, to uh, 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 weave and to, and to throw out a, a scarlet thread out of your window. The Bible tells us that her house was on the wall. Remember, Jericho was the city of, of, of great walls. And so her house was on the city wall, on the extremities. And so they could see her house, or the window at least, from the outside. Throw this scarlet thread, or this red thread, out of your window. So that when we come in to attack, we can see where your house is. And if we can recognize who your household is, then we will spare you. And they make this deal, or this oath together. Now, what does this story have to do with hope? Well, the word for hope, there's other words that you can find in in, in the Hebrew, but the the, the word for hope is the word kitva. Kitva. Now, this word, the, the first time that we encounter this word in the Bible is in the story of of the spies in Jericho. And the relevance of it is this: you know, when we talk about hope, and we've been, and I've been talking about hope for a little bit now, and, and 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 we'll be talking about hope throughout the series, the anatomy of hope. But but hope in, in the English language can be like this mystic, uh, 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 kind of abstract term. What is hope? And we kind of grasp at it, and and I, and even in how we use hope in our language today, you know, I, I, I hope that, the, langu- that, the, that the, the, the weather is okay tomorrow. Oh man, I hope that I pass that exam. I am really hopeful uh, that uh, that uh, this person is going to respond uh, to, my, uh, to my to my to my invitation. I, I, I am hopeful that I am going to be uh, in in a po- in position to be able to have the, that promotion that I want, etc. But you know, I I, I look at a, a, a you know a ice cream or whatever. Oh, I hope that this tastes good. Hope ha- has been so watered down that it is difficult to understand the true meaning of it today. A- and we've sort of used it kind of interchangeably with, with like wish, right? Like wish or like, you know, just kind of like a, a strong feeling. Oh, I really wish and, you know, positive thoughts and all of that. But, but when we go back into the Hebrew language, and, and one of the things I love about this language is it's, such a, it's, a, it's a pictorial language, right? It's visual and that helps me to understand. Now I don't, I don't understand. I don't speak or read the Hebrew language, but I can look up some stuff. And uh, and and uh, looking at this word, kitva. The word kitva it does mean hope. It does mean uh, expectation, anticipation. Uh, but it also means cord, cord, specifically relating to a woven cord, which I found interesting, because this is the word that the spies use when they tell. Rahab about the scholar thread that that scholar thread that's the word Kitfa and so what that speaks to me is that hope is something that is interwoven. I want you to picture this it's something that is that is interwoven it's a hope like the hope that Rahab had where it, it, it was it was an act of hope it wasn't a I hope and I wish that these guys keep their, 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 their word. It was an active participatory, I'm, I have something to do, and I throw out the thread. It was visual. So when, when the, 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 the army comes back in and they see the thread, they know, they recognize what that's about, and they know not to harm those people. As I was reading that, I don't know about you, but it reminds me of another story that you read if you're going backwards um, about the Exodus. About how the Israelites had to paint their doorposts red with the blood of a lamb. So that when death came into the nation of Egypt, that it would pass them over because of that red blood. And here we have that red thread that she hangs outside of her window. And when death comes in, the army of Israel, it passes over her. Now when you start to understand the interlink between the scarlet thread and hope, you recognize that there's a gospel message in there, right? That, our, that we our hope we hang our hope on the right things. We choose to hang our hope on who God is. And it is a visual hope that people can see. You know the Bible tells us that we ought to have uh, we ought to be ready to give a response for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. How do how do people know that we have this hope? It is a visual discernment. They can see it. It's in our demeanor. It's in our response to life. It's in how. It's in our rhetoric. In our language. It's in our energy. So how we talk about this, this pandemic, how we talk about God in this pandemic, how we talk about the things that we're going through, and, and that's not to make light of the difficulties. I, I know, and I talk to many of you, and I know how difficult it is right now, financially spe- especially. I know that. I'm still calling you up to hang your hope. On who God is, on his nature, and that when other people look upon this and they see it, that they may recognize that, oh, you know what this is? This is Kidva. This is hope. Here's something else about hope I want to leave with you hope is perfected in waiting. See, Rahab, once she had thrown out the cord, that wasn't the, 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 the be it and end all, right? She still had to wait for the manifestation of her salvation. And so she, she placed her hope in the God of Israel, and then she had to wait upon him for his salvation. And the salvation did come in the same way that we place our hope today on the King of Kings. Lord of lords, the God of heaven. And we wait on him because he is worthy. And his salvation comes upon us and is made manifest. For Rahab, she had a literal rope or a literal thread that she threw out. And this was a a, a, a visual representation of her hope. For us, we don't throw out a thread. It is in the decision that we make for ourselves. It is in how we choose to live our lives. It is in the decisions that we make on a daily basis. Hope is rooted in waiting. I want to encourage you. This pandemic is still ongoing. Experts are telling us that the, the, the rates of infection will still increase economy will still be impacted we'll still feel the effects hope is rooted in waiting let us place our hope in the king of kings in the god of gods in the in in the king who calls himself good because that's how we're going to filter how we view the situation and that's how we're going to understand our circumstances and that's how we're going to be able to rise up right like I'd mentioned right at the beginning rise up beyond our circumstances and be able to see life for what it is i want to leave you with a really quick story I love this story. This is the story there's a story of elisha elisha and 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 his servant um uh, uh, wake up and they realize that, uh, that they'd been surrounded by by an enemy army and you, you can go and read about it but the the, the, the enemy army was trying to take over uh, uh israel and they needed to take the prophet out because he was kind of like the the secret weapon because you know, he hears from God and so we need to take out this strategic signal to heaven and we can cut out their communications. And so they go and they surround him and, and his, uh, they wake up and, and there's an uh, enemy army surrounding them and, the, and the, the servant begins to panic. He recognizes, man, we're about to die and he goes into a flat panic. But Elisha's not panicking. And Elisha prays this amazing prayer. He says, Lord, would you open his eyes so that he can see what I see? And the Lord responds to that prayer and he opens the eyes of the servant and, and, he, and, the, and the servant sees uh, angel armies all around the mountain that they were on, surrounding them. Chariots of fire, the Bible tells us. Those angel armies and those chariots of fire were there all along. They didn't just come when Elisha prayed that prayer. Elisha could see those angel armies and those chariots of fire all along. Uh, he, he, he recognized that the enemy armies were there but he could see the angel armies. I want to encourage you, saints. Why don't you open your spiritual eyes? Lord, open their eyes. Open the eyes of the saints and let them see your reality. Let them see the chariots of fire and the angel armies surrounding them. We've recognized the enemy armies. We've recognized the, 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 the thief of hope. We've recognized the, 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 the pandemic that, that, that threatens our finances and, 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 and all that is going on around us. We've recognized the people that we know have died and are, are infected and, uh, with, with this virus. We recognize that it is real, but we also ask that you would open our eyes open our eyes that we would see the truth of who you are. Saints, I I encourage you to stay in in that place of revelation. Who is God? Where is God? What is He doing right now? The angel armies and the chariots of fire are with you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Loreko, for that timely reminder of the power of hope. If you need prayer for anything, please contact the number at the bottom of our screen. Someone is ready, waiting to pray with you and to pray for you. Remember that we pray every Thursday together and be blessed until we see you next week.